Welcome back, horse girls and guys. Hope y'all are doing well. Oh my gosh, my computer just came unplugged. Hold on. My computer has to stay plugged in because it does not hold a charge and it will die in like 20 minutes if it's not plugged in. So had to fix that quick, but uh, hope you guys are doing swell. We just got a bunch more snow last night. And uh, I have to say, I'm not too mad about it because this January has been extraordinarily warm, which has been fine. Like, it has its pros and its cons. Like, I don't like the cold weather, as I think most of us equestrians don't. Um, I don't like the cold, but when it's this muddy, it also kind of sucks. So. I don't know whether I would prefer it to be colder and frozen or warm and muddy. I think I think I would prefer it to be borderline frozen because the mud really does suck. And I don't know why I thought it'd be a good idea to take my car to work today. Um, I have a Ford Fusion. And I've driven my truck the last couple days because our gravel road is so bad. Um, I wasn't sure that my car would make it through the like six inch deep ruts that are all along the road and it's just black from the mud and it being torn up. So I've been driving my truck, but my truck costs so much money to drive that I don't like to drive it unless I absolutely have to. So today I was like, well, I'll try to take my car um, since it's obviously still froze and uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I was tired of driving my truck and it's out of gas. So I took my car today and I barely, like barely made it off our gravel because like the snow that came down last night, it's like a, a dense snow. So like, I'm guessing it must be warmer, like way high in the sky because it, it, it came down like a wet snow, you know? So like, it's really slick. When your tires are trying to drive on it and spin on it, it just turns into like this slick uh, ice patch. And so I'm like going down the gravel road and every hill, like my car is spinning out, trying to get up it. And I just barely crawled up it. And we live on literally one mile of gravel until you're at the pavement. So I got really tired of driving my truck all the way to and from work every morning just for that one mile of gravel. I'm like, if I can just make it this one mile, we're good. But, yeah, I barely made it home, too. So, I don't know. We'll see what tomorrow brings. But, yeah, I got home from work a little bit ago. Hung out with my boyfriend a little bit because he was home sleeping, which he normally does on his days off. But today I can understand because he got up at, like, 4.30 a.m. to plow. I'm assuming he was plowing. Um, it's one of his many jobs. But, yeah, I got home from work. And uh, here we are. So the last episode, I did some Reddit stories and you guys seem to like that episode, I think. So we're going to do that again a little bit today. Um, but before we get into that, I have a little update for those of you that have been following my rescue chance um, that I rescued in October. And my update is that he is outgrowing his blanket and I don't know how to feel about it. Like, it's like, 
getting too short and like his butt hangs out a little bit and he's had it on pretty much all winter but honestly he's got really thick hair under there that I think he would be fine if I took it off but like he's getting so big he's a little chonker and oh I did get him a new halter by the way for those of you um that were worried about his halter being too small it actually it wasn't like too small for his head like, I could still get my hand, like, under his cheek piece and under his chin and stuff, like, into the halter. But his face has gotten so fluffy. I mean, his hair on his face is, like, an inch long. So, the hair almost, like, grew around the halter. And so, it was, like, the halter looked like it was sunk in to his head. But it was really just sunk into the hair because his hair is so fluffy on his face. So even still, like I got him a bigger halter and like you can see where the old halter like laid in his hair because his hair hasn't like, you know, um, fluffed out yet where it was. So it's pretty adorable, but he's getting so big and he's outgrowing his blanket, which makes me sad. But yeah, I mean, he is going to be a yearling this year in July, I believe. I think he's a July colt. And so he's going to be a yearling and I'm so excited. I don't know like how old is old enough to start taking him around places. Um, I mean, like I would totally pony him on some trail rides and stuff. I just don't know how long to do that. I should probably ask my vet. But if any of you guys have experience, I don't know how like old he needs to be before I start ponying him along on rides or anything, just because of like his joints and stuff. And I don't want it to be hard on him, which I don't think it would be if I'm just doing a little ride like around our house or property. Um, but as far as like trailering to a trail ride, it could be a long day. Um, I also want to take him along to the shows this year. Oh, my friend Brooke, me and my friend Brooke went trail riding last weekend which I haven't been on a winter trail ride in a long time but the weather was pretty nice so we went um and she does endurance and she was telling me that she has some of the dates already for this year's endurance rides so I'm really excited about that I still need to like write them down in my planner the ones I want to go to but there's like three or four Illinois ones that I want to go to possibly a couple of Wisconsin ones and then there's the one that she hosts here in Iowa. Um, yeah, so I'm so excited. I Now that I know, like, what is wrong with BB and that it's nothing detrimental and just something that I'm going to have to maintenance, like, I'm excited to be going again this year. Like, I want to go and get out on the, the rides. I took it really easy on her last year. I think we only did a couple just because I didn't know what was going on with her. But, yeah, I'm excited to do it this year and looking forward to it camping and actually that would be a good thing to take chance to also is camping the camping trips I mean he could just stay at the campsite all weekend and you know I don't even have to like pony him along just taking him along with me so he can go to the new places and stuff might be really good for him get him started early you know he already loads in and out of a trailer like a champ he's actually in the trailer right now I have my bigger trailer and when it snows or rains, I put him in there since the pen that he's living in doesn't have its own run and shed. Um, but yeah, anyways, he's getting to be a big, a big kid. So 
let's go ahead and get into the Reddit stories because these might take a while. I know last time was like my longest episode yet. So yeah, we'll get into that now. Okay. Reddit. Um, okay. The first one is called new horse is indifferent to me. Will this go away? Also, just want to preface before I start reading, I apologized in advance in my last episode because I'm not used to reading out loud, so I apologize. And people aren't good at writing, like and using punctuation and stuff, so sometimes I get confused. But anyways, hi guys. I mostly am just looking for reassurance. I've wanted a horse since I was very, very small kid, and finally that wish came true today. When I went to visit the horse at her farm on both occasions, I didn't feel any magical connection. But she was a very good ride, very safe, and seemed very inquisitive. Even if she wasn't outright friendly, she was interested in us, and I figured because she was in the stressful environment of a sales barn, she was probably a little shut off. Basically, I saw a solid foundation for the ability to make a bond. Now she has landed. I'm in for the night, and after spending many hours sitting outside of her stall to keep her company today, and so far has zero interest in me. She was pretty worked up after she got off the trailer and very interested in all of her new surroundings, and I know it's an extremely stressful situation for her. Logically, I know it's laughable that I'm making any judgments at all when I've only had this horse for one single day, but she wasn't interested in me at all, and I just need some outside reassurance that she will eventually love me if I show her love, because this just really isn't what I've been picturing for the literal vast majority of my life. Honestly, if you guys could tell me some stories about your own horses, if you are in similar situations, or just offer your insight, it'd help a lot. Thank you. Okay, so I feel like I can input on this because I have had a lot of horses in my day. Uh, I've bought a lot, and I have parted ways with a lot. So, um, this girl just got her horse literally like a day ago. So. My biggest thing for this girl is to literally just wait it out. Like, it seems like she already has a pretty good idea of what's going on. The horse just got to her house and she is trying to figure out her new surroundings and the property and where everything is. And she's probably just stressed and isn't really focused on people right now. She's focused on her safety and where she's at and trying to get comfortable. So that's what I would tell this girl if she was here. Just wait it out. Your horse is still figuring things out. Your horse probably your horse just came from a sale barn. I mean, she was probably stressed there. Now she doesn't know where she is again, and she just needs to get comfortable and relax. Um, I don't know if you guys remember if you've been watching when I brought Hazel home in July. She literally found the farthest corner of the paddock and stood there for three days. Like, had no desire to be around anybody, didn't want to come up to me didn't want to be looked at she just stood in that corner and that's where she stayed for three days until she got comfortable enough to start kind of exploring and checking things out and finding interest in things so honestly I have horses now that are still indifferent to me and still have no desire to um like me and you know what that doesn't make them bad horses that just is part of their personality and sometimes you just have to accept that um But congratulations to this girl for getting her first horse. She does have an update. Um, 
Wow, I'm amazed and touched at how many people reached out. This sub is so full of kind people, and this made me feel so, so much better last night. Thank you, really. For those wondering how it's going, this morning I went to see her. She was in her paddock, and to my surprise, she left her hay. She's a pig, and this is huge, to come and greet me. And then when I returned to her paddock, she went at the very end of the fence line, looked out into the snow for a few moments, then trotted all the way back to me with her ears forward and came to snuff my hand. I think we'll be okay. Well, that's really reassuring. So she's obviously gotten comfortable and is now finding interest in the people around her. So congratulations again to her and hopefully everything goes good with her new horse. Um... All right, this next one is called Slightly Frustrated After Last Night's Lesson. Could use input. Oh, this is a long one, isn't it? Okay. I ride at a very small lesson barn. I school three times per week and practice alone on one of the trainer's horses one time per week. I'm a little frustrated right now because it felt like my trainer double booked my time slot last night. Let me paint a small picture. I really cannot overstate how small this arena is. You might be able to park 10 cars in there if you get creative. The walls slant inwards and there are beams sticking out, so it's tight. You can't get too close to the rail or you'll hit your head on a beam. There's foam on the beams now because this has happened before. I pay for one hour private lessons. A working student headed into the arena at the same time as my lesson was supposed to start. The lesson plan was supposed to have me trot around the outside of the arena while the working student cantered around the inside to practice being in the arena with the other horses. I said I was uncomfortable doing that on this particular horse. This horse sent me to the ER two months ago. I didn't want to be on this nervy, anxious horse on the edge of the arena with the beams and slanted walls the whole lesson. I'm just nervous on this horse in in general since getting hurt. This would have been my second time back on him since the fall. Additionally, I don't show or compete, so I am never in any arena with other horses. And if given the chance, there is no one at this barn who would go into the arena if someone else is riding in there. We take turns on the weekends. So my lesson ended up being to lunge three horses, including one of her personal horses and one that can't be ridden on on one end of the arena while the working student did her thing with the other half. I don't think either of us were having a good time because she got off and started hand walking the horse. When the working student was done, I rode for about 10 minutes. I got there at 7.15 for a 7.30 lesson and didn't get on until 8.40. Here's the thing. I own a horse. She's boarded at this barn. She's pretty old and I don't ride her anymore. I know how to lunge a horse. I lunge lunge the lesson horse I'm riding before every lesson. I don't see a possible way to spin that into something that needs to be taught to me anymore. I see this as she just thought I would be okay with my lesson not being a private lesson and then didn't know what to do when I wasn't. I see this as almost a bad use of my time as if we just like as if we just had like a grooming lesson or a bathing lesson or a mucking lesson You know, things I do with my horse that I own. I saw this as me doing labor for free because I wouldn't accept a group lesson at a private lesson fee. For the record, I would never take a group lesson. 
I guess I'm just not really sure how to feel about this. I've never schooled at another barn. Is this normal at other barns? Am I overreacting? Am I, I am in such a bad mood over this. I really don't feel like going to my lesson tomorrow. Edit, please don't massacre me for my position. I don't get much feedback on my form. Okay, so this girl did post a picture, which I can't see now, of the arena. And from her picture, it did look very small, very tight. Like, I don't know, maybe a 30 by 100, or maybe not even that long, 30 by 60 um, arena. It was very, very small uh, for just the picture of her riding her horse in there. So, honestly, I can understand how this girl would be very frustrated. Um, Most of the lessons that I give personally are private lessons because I don't have, like, a whole waiting list of kids waiting to do a lesson. But group lessons are common at other barns. Um, But if this trainer has never given you a group lesson, to me, if I were that trainer, I would, just to be courteous and be polite, ask your lesson kids if they are okay with that first. Because some people, they're just nervous around other riders. They're not ready for that. They're not ready to ride in front of other riders yet. And it's just the it's just a courteous thing to do. If you've always given private lessons, check with your, your lesson kids before you're like, yeah, we're going to do a group lesson today. And if this girl didn't even get told that there was somebody else in her lesson today, I can see how that would be very frustrating. Um, especially if, you know, she just ended up lunging. She sounds like she's very comfortable lunging a horse. She knows how to lunge a horse. If my trainer told me your entire lesson is going to be lunging horses today, I'd be like, um, I'm sorry, but I'm not paying for a lesson for that. Because it sounds like this girl, um, is starting to ride this horse again that she had a bad accident on. And it takes a lot for some people to get back on a horse that they don't trust. She's made it clear that she doesn't trust this horse. And I think it's the trainer's responsibility to help her get back to a safe place and a safe mindset with this horse. And if she can't do that in a group lesson, then she shouldn't be having a group lesson. Her trainer should be focusing on her and her riding ability and building this relationship back up with this horse, not adding somebody else into the mix. When this girl has clearly, you know, stated she's not ready to ride this horse with other horses in the arena. The arena is not big enough. And even if she, you know, wasn't going to um, trot around the whole arena while this girl canters, lunging a bunch of horses on the ground isn't a better alternative. Um, I can see how she feels like she was just being used for free labor. If I was uncomfortable riding this horse in this circumstance, I feel like the trainer should maybe come up with something else that this girl could do on this horse. Honestly, having ride time on this horse in general would just will be good for this girl um, to build her confidence back up. But I can definitely see how how she would be frustrated. I don't think she's overreacting like she asks. Um, I would just bring it up to her trainer like, hey, I was a little bit frustrated with our last lesson. I would appreciate, you know, if there's going to be somebody else in on my lesson, just let me know first. Or I would prefer to just have private lessons from now on. Um, you know, you got to communicate with your trainer. Like they can't read your mind. 
So just, you know, keep that line of communication open. It's like your teachers at school. They can't read your mind. They don't, they don't always know that you're struggling when they have all these other kids to teach. But yeah, I mean, that's my stance on it. All right. Okay, this next one is called leaving horses out to, quote, free roam. Not sure what to tag this, but I thought the situation was very strange. This is out in the Midwest, by the way. I was driving back from university, which takes me through a rural countryside roads, and I pass a house with a horse standing out in someone's front lawn, not enclosed, not tied down, no one there supervising. I slow my car down and look around to see some folks outside the neighboring house, so I pull up and ask them about it. I thought the horse was loose, so I wanted to let them know and see if they could contact the owner. Instead, they tell me the owner just leaves their horse out and he doesn't run away or anything, so it's fine. He's always out like that. I can't help but feel that this is incredibly dangerous and irresponsible. The house is right beside a main road with a speed limit of 55 and roughly a mile from a busy interstate with cars and regularly going 70 plus. If the horse bolted out onto the road, it would not only die if hit by a car, but it would possibly kill the people in the vehicle as well. Does anyone else let their horses free roam like this? I've never seen it before, and I don't think I would ever do it if I had horses of my own. Edit. I ended up filing a report online after finding the address. This feels like a really dangerous situation, and the comments have helped me affirm that. Okay, so let's read the comments a little bit quick. The first comment... Yep, super irresponsible. Yeah, the horse may not run away under normal circumstances, but when horses get spooked, they run. Even the most bomb-proof horse will eventually be scared by something. Not only dangerous for the horse, but also dangerous for the people driving the road. A horse running into traffic could easily kill someone. By a highway, yes, that would be kind of dangerous. However, I know several people who live in secluded areas that have, quote, yard horses. On the property I board at, there's a couple of really old trusted horses who occasionally get let out to free roam the property itself, but the property is fully fenced, so they're just free roaming the property with no access to the road. Personally, I still don't love it since I'm always afraid when opening the gate that they're nearby, but mostly just hang out in the hayfield and eat for a couple hours they're out for. I can't imagine having horses free roaming with no fences. This makes my eye twitch and my heart race. I lost my first horse when he escaped from the pasture and got hit by a car. I was 15 and it traumatized me. I had to wait for the school bus at the spot where it happened. To this day, I can't pass that spot without flashbacks and it happened over 45 years ago. Incredibly dangerous and irresponsible. I'm glad you made a report. Okay, so I have some input on this because I know some people that have done this in the past. Um, I have a friend that used to let her old retired mare eat in her yard all the time. And I'll be honest, I do sometimes let Sugar, my longtime trusted horse, graze my yard um, unattended because I know she won't go anywhere. 
And so I feel like it's one of those things where like the owner knows their horse and, um, you know, yeah, horse may get spooked. Like, it's hard to say. I don't know. Horse, it's, it's always possible a horse could get spooked at something. I don't know what my horses would get spooked by, like, out here in my, my yard. Um, I personally, I live a mile off of a main interstate, or not interstate, but a main highway. I could not imagine my horse ever going that far away from the other horses. There's another horse farm next door as well. Um, and we're pretty secluded back here. We're up on a private lane. I don't feel like she would ever go anywhere away from the herd. So she does graze in my yard alone sometimes. My friend, however, she lived on a very busy gravel road and she was not set back off the road. I mean, her driveway was 50 feet. So her horse, like grazing out in the yard, I always did wonder, you know, like that never made her nervous and it never did for her. So, yeah, I mean, I can see where the concern is for this girl. Like if for some reason this horse happened to one day wander out into the road, um, yeah, it could definitely kill somebody. I mean, people get killed just by hitting deer, like hitting a horse. That would be, I mean, that would destroy somebody's vehicle and very easily could kill somebody. Um, so I guess if you live on a really busy road, I definitely would never let sugar free roam the yard if we lived on a busy road. Like it, that would actually give me anxiety and I would probably tire to a lunge line. So if, if my road was really busy, yeah, I think I would probably also be on the side where, um, I would feel, I would feel so, I don't, I don't know how I could live with myself if I knew that I killed somebody because I decided to let my horse free roam in my yard. So, yeah, I mean, definitely some input there, but luckily my yard is very secluded. We're set way back off of the road and yeah, I don't think Sugar would ever, would ever try to wander off the property, but being on a busy road like that, that could definitely be scary. All right. This next one is called selling slash leasing my horse. I've had my mare for six years and I absolutely love her and she's done so much for me and helped me progress, but I'm outgrowing her and it's, and she's maxed out in terms of jumping height. I want to progress with my jumping, but to do that, I have to sell or lease her to be able to afford a new larger horse. I'm so scared to do either of those because my biggest concern is that somebody may mistreat her or won't take as good of care of her. I would also miss her as we've been together for so long and I'm not really sure what to do. My fears are preventing me from progressing as a rider and I have no idea how to handle this. Edit, I'm a teenager and my parents pay for my horse. She's also only 11 and in great physical condition. Okay, I want to read some of the comments before I input on this as well. First comment, ask your trainer to find you a younger slash smaller students who could take on leasing her. This is what a lot of my friends did growing up. Our trainer would find a younger slash smaller student who could buy their own horse to lease their horse for just an extra horse time and sometimes to show. The next comment says, sell her. Let her be loved by another little girl, girl who's looking to learn the ropes and will cherish the been there, done that knowledge. It's understandable not wanting to sell, but what happens if your leaser suddenly decides they don't want to lease anymore? I see your parents are paying for the horse, so you need to factor this in. 
Could they afford two horses if that happens? Could they afford if the mare comes becomes crippled or has a massive vet bill and your leaser walks out on the lease to avoid dealing with it? Then you have a horse who can't do anything. And in my humble opinion, I wouldn't be paying for a pasture puff for my kid if said kid was also expecting me to foot the bill for a larger, more costly horse so they could keep riding. Your heart's in the right place. However, try to be pragmatic here. I've been in your shoes, sold the horse, didn't regret it for a second. Um, let's see. Somebody commented, what about a care lease? And when you find the right person that falls in love with her, sell her to them. I think she should, I think we should take care of our senior horse in the end. But if your horse can offer somebody the same experience you had, that would be great. Hey, someone trust, someone trusted you enough when you bought her. Just my thoughts. Okay. So I have owned a lot of horses. As you guys know, I do project horses. So if you're new here, I do project horses. I have bought and sold many horses. So I completely understand the fear of selling a horse. Um, I am very, very picky when it comes to the people that I sell horses to. I mainly do it through Facebook and I will Facebook stalk that person. Um, if they don't have like a lot of things on their Facebook, I will ask for references. I ask a lot of questions. Um, and I totally, I understand like the thought of, I may never see this horse again after I sell her. What if she ends up in a sale barn? What if something happens to her? I totally get it. And honestly, that's when you as an equestrian have to decide what is more important to you as an equestrian. Are you in this industry because you're in it for your horse because you love horses and you love this animal and you want to dedicate um, your career to being a committed owner of this animal un until you know you have to put her down or whatever or are you an equestrian that is committed to the sport and being becoming a better rider and progressing in your abilities and either one is judgment-free from me. Um, personally, I have committed to owning Sugar, my little paint mare, for the rest of her life. She was my very first horse. She has given her whole life to me. She has taught me so many things, so many valuable lessons. And even though she's not capable of doing all the things that I want to do, I don't care. She's not going anywhere. I will take care of her. I will give her a safe home and a safe place until... I have to put her down because I owe her that much. Um, my other horses, however, I don't necessarily feel that way. Um, if I had to, if worse came to worse, I would sell the other ones before I sold sugar. But in this girl's case, you know, if she decided that she really, really did not want to sell her horse, um, she could lease other horses that are more advanced than her current horse. She could be the leaser. Um, obviously, she'd have to pay for that herself. She doesn't say how old she is. Oh, she says she's a teenager. So if she's not 16 yet, she's getting pretty close. She might be able to wait till she can get a job to pay for a lease horse um, that she could progress on. Or like people have suggested, lease out her current horse, use that money to buy another horse or to lease another horse. And there's some also really good points as this horse is taken care of or paid for by the parents so make sure that if something were to happen with a lease or, you know, a vet bill were to come along, 
is there money that can pay for that? I feel like if this girl's a teenager, then girl, it's time to put your adult shoes on, get a job so that you have money to pay for your horse's vet bills. If something came up, you have money to lease um, another horse or, you know, so on and so forth. I don't think she has to sell her horse if she doesn't want to. Um, Obviously, everybody's circumstances are different, but my advice for her is if you're committed to this horse, if you really, really care about this horse, um, then you'll make it work. I mean, that's, that's how I've always done it with my horses with soccer and sugar and BB as well. I will make it work before I sell them. Um, my riding ability isn't more important than their lives in my opinion. So I'll make it work until, um, until I have to put them down. But anyway, this girl really wants to progress. And if she does decide to sell her horse, I will say it is so much easier when you sell horses to people that want to keep up with you um, or want to, you know, keep in contact. I, I really love like when I sell horses to people and every once in a while I can message them and ask, you know, hey, how's the horse doing? And they'll give me updates on her. I always tell people when I sell their horses, if something happens, if she doesn't work out, if you don't like her, if she's not what you thought, bring her back. I'll give you your money back. Don't take her to a cell barn. I don't want anything bad to happen to her. Just let me know. And that's really reassuring for the buyers too, because they don't want to get stuck with a horse that they can't give back or that now they have to find something to do with. So that's, keep that option in mind too. If you decide to sell your horse and you're going through, you know, a few months of a gap before you buy a new horse, or you're just looking at horses, let them know if anything happens, bring her back. So you don't, you know, you don't have overlapping horses, but anywho, on to the next. This next one is called moving barns. And I'm curious about contracts. Um, okay. Our current barn requires a minimum of 30 days notice before we can leave. I genuinely don't understand. If we pay her at the start of the month and leave in the middle of the month, what does the barn owner lose? What would happen if we were to break the contract? It's not like we could be kicked out. I'm not going to break the contract. I'm just curious. I've read some people saying that you should never give a notice to a barn before your horse is off the premises, but that's just hearsay. I know nothing about the how or why. Thanks in advance. Again, we are sticking to the contract. I'm just really curious what the purpose of a 30-day notice is. First comment, it allows the barn owner slash manager to advertise for a replacement livery. I don't know that word in plenty of time so they won't lose income. Next comment says, it's the same thing as when you give notice to leave a rented apartment. It gives them time to find somebody else while hopefully not disrupting their income. Your contract says you owe for the 30 days following giving notice. If you pay for January but give notice on January 15th, you owe until February 15th. If you don't pay, they can assign your debt to a collection agency or you take to small claims court. Next comment says, if you pay in full at the beginning of the month, they probably wouldn't care if you left early, you just wouldn't get a a prorated refund. The giving notice thing is only ever to be used in an emergency 
that you need to get your horse out because the care is dangerous. And if you fear retaliation from the farm, if you stay through your 30 day notice. Okay. So a lot of good points for this girl. Honestly, I didn't even think about like, if you give notice mid month, you still owe till the next mid month. That's a very good point. Um, because they can like take you to collections or whatever, but the biggest thing for anybody that's like moving around barns and stuff like that, it's really just for the barn owner's courtesy to let them know ahead of time before you lose or move your horse so that they don't lose that money. They can advertise a stall available for the next month and hopefully have a horse ready to move into it by the time your horse leaves. Um, I, le- I commented on this too, I think. I don't know where my comment is, but if you you know, it's January 1st and you tell your barn owner you will be leaving by February 1st, your barn owners most likely don't care if you leave January 2nd or January 10th, let's say. Even if you leave January 10th and you paid for the whole month of January, a lot of barn owners are like, I don't care when you leave, but you're not getting your money back. So it's not like they're going to refund you for those other 20 days that your horse wasn't there. You still have to pay the full month's board. But if you do that, a lot of times they don't care if your horse is there or not. They didn't lose out on the income. Okay. All right. The last one is called, what do riders struggle with the most? And I thought this was kind of interesting. Hey everyone, I hope y'all are having a good day. I was wondering, us writers are pretty different, but all the same at the same time. So I want to know what you guys struggled with the most in this industry. Was it something that almost made you quit? What is something that made you quit? First comment, it's the money. It's so expensive. Like right now, I've spent thousands on the vet since September and my mare is lame. The people. Everyone knows better, especially people bitching behind each other's backs in barns. I almost quit three years ago because of this. One has a lot of replies. Holy cow. The people. I started competing nationally when I was 10. God, I was pushed. By the time I was 13, my trainer told me I wouldn't win in Eck because the other girls were thinner. I was underweight already, question mark. Constantly yelled at, not good enough. Even had my helmet tied to my saddle and forced to jump. Girls my age doing cocaine at the barn. Trainers screaming at clients up to 30,000 on sales, scamming clients. My parents didn't know better at the time. I realized how bad it was when I was about 16. I was grooming, clipping, working, riding seven horses a day to pay for the horse and travel. I was on the road nonstop. Um, I'm not going to finish reading that because it's long. My biggest struggle as a student and the impetus for leaving multiple barns has been put. Oh, my gosh. People literally can't write. This is what drives me nuts about reading Reddit stuff is because people just like they don't know how to type. Has been put on lesson horses who are exhibiting signs of pain and or unsoundness. Okay. My biggest struggle as a student and the impetus for leaving multiple barns has been, has 
being put on lesson horses who are exhibiting signs of pain and or unsoundness. Students have little to no control over which horse they ride. And when they ask about a horse's condition or behavior change, the horse is often called lazy as the student is ridiculed for not being pushy enough. That's a good point. Winter. (laughs) Getting up at 5 a.m. every morning to go to the yard and muck out and do yard chores in the middle of winter sucks, especially when it's dark, below freezing, with heavy rain, and that's blowing a million times an hour. I question why I keep horses every damn morning during the winter, lol. It's even worse when the pipes are freezing so I can't do waters. For real, girl, I feel you on that one. Money. There's never enough money. Agree with the money. Not even just for lessons, but really to get anywhere. The people who have reputations for coaching are those who have had several horses, competed, and been out in the community frequently. I aged out of competition when I was 19 or 20 and don't really see any motivation in competing anymore due due to the prizes being so cheap compared to even the showing fee. There's also most certainly elitism in dressage competition, seen as the horses are winning fancy I don't know what this person's talking about. Okay. Well, I know what they're talking about. I get it. So money seems to be a concern for a lot of people. I will say that I I currently own seven horses. And I don't find them to be that expensive. Only because I have the privilege of having them on my own property. Now, it's not cheap to feed them. They obviously need fed. But just having them is not that expensive. Um, But a lot of people don't have that option. A lot of people aren't that lucky and they don't, you know, they have to pay to board their horses somewhere. If I had to pay to board horses, absolutely no way. Um, I always did work for board when I had my horses at other people's place or I had them at a friend's house that charged me very cheap board. And if I had to actually pay like the full board fee for all of them, holy crap, never, maybe not even one. Maybe I'd have one horse then. (laughs) But, you know, some people live in the city and the only boarding options they have are far away. And being they're near the city, it's ridiculously expensive. If you want to show, and a lot of times people who live in the city that don't have the option to trail ride somewhere or to be in, you know, leisure activity like that. The only real option for doing things with their horses is to show them or to compete on them. So you have those bills, entry fees, um, and then you have to buy your equipment. You have to buy tack. You have to buy clothing. You have to have a truck and a trailer. It's expensive to pull a truck and a trailer anywhere these days. So I totally get, like, the people that are not, you know, in the same situation as I am to how how the money can get to be really really tough. I am extremely blessed that I don't have all of those additional expenses, but um I can definitely relate to um most of your money going towards them. So, but it's interesting to see like what all other people struggle with. Uh, there was a lot of comments in there that it was the people, it's the community, and that's really unfortunate that like that the equestrian community is so toxic in some parts. I'm very, like I said, I'm very lucky. I'm not trying to make this all about me, 
But I am very glad that I have found a little niche community that um, is very supportive. It's not all about how much money you have. It's not all about the nicest stuff because there are those communities within my area as well. Um, There is some big show folks around here and growing up, I was never taken seriously by those people. I had a good friend that taught me how to ride or not how to ride, but she took me under her wing and took me around trail road and stuff. And she had a friend that would come with us a lot. And I could always tell that that friend did not take me seriously. And I even asked her one day, I I don't feel like she takes me seriously. And she said to me, I know she doesn't take sugar seriously. And like I said earlier, I've owned sugar her whole life. Sugar has been my first horse, my, you know, she's taught me everything. And so like that, hearing that, like that hurt my feelings um, that she didn't take sugar seriously because sugar is just a little paint horse. She doesn't have the best confirmation. She's great. No one knows where she came from. And, you know, in my eyes, she's just a horse. Like she's no better than your horses because your horse cost $40,000 and has won all these ribbons and trophies and whatever. I don't care. And so there's definitely those communities within the industry that it is about the money and how nice your horse is and how nice your truck and trailer is. And if you don't fit that picture, they don't really, they don't really consider you part of the picture basically. So it's, it's really unfortunate. And I will say that I really, really enjoy the sport of endurance because of this. Endurance has been the most, um, how do I want to say it? There is the most variety in people in endurance than I have ever seen in in a sport. You go to the Western Pleasure shows, you see all these trucks that look the same, all these trailers that look the same, all these horses that look the same. You go to dressage shows, kind of the same thing. Everybody's tack looks the same. Everybody's dressed the same. Um, you go to rodeos, kind of the same thing, you know, but in endurance, Oh my gosh, there is every person from every corner of the state, from every type of horse. There's mules, there's donkeys, there's minis, there's draft crosses, there's racking horses, there's quarter horses, all kinds of different stuff. Everybody is a different size and a different shape. Everybody is wearing different, you know, clothes. Everybody's wearing riding in a different saddle. It is there is so much variety in the endurance sport. And it is the most helpful, welcoming community I have seriously ever ridden with. And I love it for that. That is what horsemanship is all about to me, is enjoying your horses and enjoying the sport and the people and helping each other out and wanting everybody else to be a good horseman. And I think it's really awesome that endurance is like that. So if anybody's thought about trying it, (laughs) here's your sign. You should try it. But yeah. The people, it's like literally anything, any sport, any club, any industry in the world, um, you still have to deal with people, unfortunately. And I don't know. I just wish that we could all come together and we could all help each other out and we could all just appreciate that not everybody has the same start as we do. So just help each other and just be nice to each other and be nice to your horses. (laughs) But anyways, that was the last story. So that's all I have for that one. I do want to read a few comments that I've had 
on my recent videos. Um, nothing major. I just have a few. So I have one that is on some of my hoof trimming videos. And I know not everybody agrees with like me doing my own hooves and stuff. But somebody did comment um, on, geez, I don't even know which one this was. I think it was my last one. Maybe not. Um, anyways, Kennel, Ken, Ken, L, I, I don't know how to say that name. We're going to go with Kennel, I, Mailer commented, I'm starting to trim my own horse's hooves because I can't find a farrier that I can rely on. So I know some farriers personally, and I know that it is super frustrating for them to have clients they can't rely on or clients that cancel last minute clients, you know, it's tough being a farrier. They do have a tough job. Um, you know, people complain, people tell them they're not doing good enough, but it's also frustrating being a customer because there are a lot of flaky farriers out there. And that is irritating, like, especially when your horse is overdue and you need a farrier to come out and do them. So you got to hunt one down because they're they're hard to come across or they just don't reply to texts or anything. So you have to hunt one down and then you finally get one to agree to come out and do your horse and then they don't show up. That to me is horrible business practice and I will never use a farrier again if they just no show on me. If I'm taking time off work I'm giving you my money. We're arranging the date. My horse is overdue and needs done. I have, I don't have a backup. I had to hunt you down in the first place. No, I will never use you again. If you just don't show up. I'm a business owner. I've worked so many jobs in my life. There has never been an instance where no showing on somebody has ever been okay. Um, even just, you know, letting the person know, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it. I had something come up. My truck broke down. I've got too many appointments today. I threw my back out. Just something to communicate to that person onto why you didn't show up is better than just not showing up. That's just, and it's terrible, like, for your reputation. Like, no, no, what, what farrier would want, you know, these people to, you know, go on social media and say, this farrier never shows up. This farrier has flaked on me. He'll no call, no show. You know, that is a terrible reputation to have. So I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't understand why there's so many of them that do that. Okay, the next comment um, is actually on my foxtail video. So if you guys haven't seen it, I made a video about foxtail a few years ago. And somebody commented on this, Julie commented if you haven't had a problem just wait foxtail is a nightmare foxtail is an issue to manage it does cause problems don't ignore the warnings so this video i posted a few years ago and i was just talking about foxtail and kind of the stigma that everybody in the horse industry basically freaks out when they hear foxtail or like they have a panic attack over it <laughs> the last barn that i worked at the barn manager would tell me all the time that there are literally clients that will go out to the pastures and rummage through the round bales to see if there's any foxtail in them. They'll just go out there and they'll rummage through it and try to find a foxtail. And a lot of times they bring one in and start having a freaking meltdown about it because, oh my God, there's a foxtail. Did you see this foxtail? There's foxtail in the round bale out there. It's not safe. You're going to need to get a new one. And it's not even the type that 
that bothers them. It's like some just fluffy piece of grass. So they don't even know what they're talking about. They freak out. And a lot of times these people don't even know if their horse has an issue with foxtail. So I made this video just to kind of talk about it and the fact that not every horse is sensitive to foxtail. There are horses that are sensitive to foxtail. So if you see your horse starting to have an issue or starting to have, you know, trouble chewing or anything like that, you know, just having oral problems, it may be something to look into. Your vet can tell you if they open your horse's mouth and they've got all these little little fibers stuck in their gums, hey, this horse is sensitive to foxtail and don't give it any more hay with foxtail in it. I only brought this up in this video and talked about it because I have owned, I don't know, 20 horses since, you know, I started buying more <laughs> in my time since I was, I don't know, 14. I'm almost 23 now. So I've had a, several horses. I've had a lot of them. And I've only owned one that ever had an issue with foxtail. So I'm not saying that like horses can eat foxtails, no big deal. I'm saying know what your horse has issues with because a lot of them are perfectly fine with foxtail in their hay. And I'm not going to go out and buy hay bales that are full of it. I'm not saying to do that, but if your horse has never shown any signs or any issue to foxtail, if you see a few in your hay, it's not the end of the world. Like, I only realized it was an issue with the one horse because there was a lot of it in one of the round bales that I had, and she did have, like, some oral bleeding and stuff. I could see it, like, dripping out of her mouth, like some bloody spit. And so I made a vet appointment and we found that they indeed were getting stuck in her gums and stuff and causing sores. But all of my other horses, all the ones I have now, all the ones I've ever had in the past, none of them ever had an issue. So yeah, I made that video just basically saying your horse might have an issue, but they also might not. So if they don't, you don't have to exile all hay that may have a few foxtails in it just because you know if it's not bothering your horse then it's not bad hay but anywho that's all I have for today's episode hopefully you guys enjoyed this one I thought we had some some good shorter reddit stories this time they weren't quite so long but anyways I'm gonna go ahead and jump off of here now because we're at almost an hour but thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let me know down below if you're watching on YouTube. If you enjoyed it, give this video a thumbs up if you enjoyed it. Any Anchor or I think, what was the other one? Apple? I think I got it on Apple. The Apple one. Shoot. What's it called? I don't remember. Listeners, give this, you know, rate. rate? I think you can rate the podcast now on Spotify. Anywho, do your thing. Let me know what else you want to hear in future episodes, and I will see you guys in the next one. Bye.